The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners, a free-flowing conversation with leaders in the HR community, talking about themselves, the industry, and their work. Brought to you in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association. Welcome to the Hennessy Report. Today's episode is with Tiffany Mosier, the Chief People Officer at DataZoo. I've known Tiffany a long time, and she's got a great sense of humor, which really comes through. She's built a great team. She's so proud of them. She also created a women's networking group inside DataZoo. Tiffany takes her work seriously, but doesn't take herself too seriously. And I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Next up on the podcast is Patty McCord of Netflix fame. And now I bring you my discussion with Tiffany Mosier. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. Good to see you. Good seeing you, too. We met at the towards the end of your Akamai career way back then. Um, that was a long time ago. It was. And I've always enjoyed working with you because you Likewise. take your work so seriously, but you don't take yourself too seriously. You yes. like to laugh, mix laughter with work. And we've done that, and I know that you do that with your team here at DataZoo. You have Zoo. to. It keeps everyone sane. Exactly. Got to yeah. take the work extremely seriously, yeah. but don't take yourself seriously. And I think, I don't know, I think my years doing this has, um, that's probably the biggest lesson that I've <laughs> learned is don't take yourself too seriously. Right. You know, and we're we're doing great things here at DataZoo, but we're not we're not curing cancer. So, mm. you know, keep it keep it in perspective. Is there an early life experience that you can share that kind of set you on this path? Gosh, there's been so many. I don't think one necessarily stands out mm. over the others. I've been blessed in my career. I've been doing this, gosh, I don't know if I want to say this on this podcast, but <laughs> let's just put it 20 plus years. <laughs> that, that's what we do in the resume business, <laughs> right? of course. You know? Don't put the actual number. <laughs> that's right. 20 plus years. Um, I've been really fortunate to have many great opportunities in the people business with various companies going through various types of either growth or downsizing mm. and just trying to be a sponge for all the various lessons that come out of that. Mm. So, you know, I was fortunate in the mid to late 90s to work out in Silicon Valley, ah. um, you know, among, among some of the tech giants and watch just the robustness of what went into the recruiting warfare for mm -hmm. uh, for talent back then. And that's really when it's starting to explode. Yes. Right? So you really yes. were right there at the front lines. Yes, exactly. The, the front lines of, yeah. you know, a limousine pulling up uh, to the company I was with at the time and our CTO walking out the front door and never walking back in. So working in Silicon Valley, I think, was was really what you know, helped me when I came back to the East Coast and and began my my time at Akamai and uh, which was also connected to what was going on. Yeah, in the, the Silicon Valley and the internet internet right. boom um, really set me up for success. Seeing some of the things that I saw out there because I don't think um, that kind of uh, tech savviness, for lack of a better word, was was truly happening in mm. in in the on the East Coast or in Boston at that time. Yet, mm -hmm. it certainly was coming, and right. it did come. Uh, but it helped, I think, for me, it, it catapulted me a little bit in regards to some of the things that I was able to to see, good, bad, or otherwise. Right. And, you know, we've talked a little bit. Maybe you could share with our guests a little bit about the Akamai story when mm. you were there, because um, you saw the explosion of growth, but you also saw it come back down oh, and, and yeah. hit bottom. And then, yeah. of course, right around that same time, Danny Lewin, the one of the founders 
uh, died yeah. in the September. I think he was the first victim of first the September victim. 11. Yep. on record as the first victim of, right. um, of the 9-11 attacks. But what was it like just experiencing all that? What do you remember about uh, it? Oh, it was, it was until, honestly, until Data Zoo, I would have said that my Akamai experience was my, my best experience, um, both from, you know, favorite place to work uh, to what I was exposed to in my career mm. and pushed beyond my comfort zone and sometimes felt like I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> um, baptism by fire. Give it a, um, can you give an example of like, what do you mean? What was happening that yeah, you're like, so, I'm doing this. I'm not sure I can, right? but I did it anyway. What was going well, on? Well, I'll give you the very, very high level. Okay. So I was with Akamai from mid 2000 until early 2006. Um, when I started with them in mid 2000, we were rapidly growing, hiring 30 people a week, not a month, but a week, um, really exploding from a growth revenue as well as a headcount perspective. Right. Okay. So it was just taking off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's mid 2000s. So then fast forward just slightly to 2001. Right. You know, in the summertime, we were like, okay, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. But it was still good. It was still good. But then 9 11 happened. Right. And we knew within 20 minutes of the of the plane, the first plane um, hitting the, the World Trade Center, that our CTO was gone and our co-founder was gone, Danny Lewin. Oh my gosh, this guy was the he was he was the life of Akamai. He was the passion in half the brains. You know, Tom Layton, who's the current CEO and co-founder of Akamai, was the other half of the brains. Together, they were just the dynamic duo. Mm. And but Danny brought so much energy and passion. He was young. He was only thirty-one at the time of his death. Wow. Um, I know that because I share the same exact birthday, same uh, date, year of birth. Same with, birthday. Yeah. Exact year. Exact wow. year. Wow. Um, so, you know it. It paralyzed us in a way, but it enabled us in a way, his his passing, because none of us wanted to give up on his vision and his dream. But the organization at that time, with the bubble bursting and a lot of the dot-coms going out of business, we went from about 1,500 employees to 495 wow. employees. So you lost 70%. So over a period of, yeah, 9 to 12 months, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. Right. And several phased reductions in force. Right. And, you know, I was tasked with being, you know, a senior leader at that time within the, uh, the people organization to help organize all of that. Mm. I had never organized something of that size and that volume of reductions. I'd only been on companies that have been going, you know, kind of rocket ship right? Uh, in, the, in the opposite direction. So it was sobering. It was gut-wrenching uh, to tell really awesomely smart, wonderful human beings that they no longer have a job mm. with your organization. It toughened me up in a way, but not from a heart and empathy perspective. Uh, I would only say with my years since then, it's, it only gets harder to lay people off, which mm. is different than terminating someone for performance. Mm -hmm. um, it's a different emotion right. um, that, that's involved. But, you know, Akamai, what's great about Akamai is, you know, 2001 was obviously tragic. The whole thing with Danny continues to be tragic. Mm. But in 2002, you know, it was the downsizing. But by 2003... Um, the company achieved free cash flow, and then in 2004 turned to profit. 2005, you know, that we turned back on so the you hiring belt. The full recovery. I really, it was really the truly cycle. the the roller coaster. Right. Right. Yeah, the ups, the downs. Yeah. Um, so it was an amazing experience, and I got to work with really wonderful, talented people, and for you know one of the best leaders I think of our time, and Paul only, Sagan. Why don't we talk a little bit about Data Zoo? Yeah. And. Um, I've talked to you about the business a little bit. I know you're into media 
digital media advertising. Yes. Can you describe where the <laughs> Not <normal> really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to get too technical. Where do we, where does the normal person see the Data Zoo stuff come yeah, out from? Can so, you tell us where we see yeah, Data so Zoo in our daily a, life? Without one of our wonderful data scientists in the room, <laughs> I will do my best, but we're an advertising technology firm. Um, so we basically make marketing easier uh, for our customers by um, programmatically putting out uh, content with a lot of data and insights. Who buys your services? Who's the customer? A lot of folks are our customers. So we, okay. we, we transcend through many industries, many size companies, but Lexus, as an example, is a big customer okay. of DataZoo. So um, Lexus likes to serve a lot of car ads. Right, right. <laughs> um, and if, you, uh, you know, if you're in the high-end luxury vehicle market, Lexus would look at DataZoo to say, okay, help me target that market even better so that I know that my advertising dollars are 100% transparent and know exactly what they're doing for my business. Okay. Which is a lot different than the olden days when you would put up an ad on a billboard or in a newspaper Just and not to everybody. and not know what that was really driving from a return on investment standpoint. Okay. So the the customers that we have really what we provide for them is um, a much more robust ability to, to specifically target the audiences that they want to target. So from a geo standpoint, a gender standpoint, an age standpoint, um, an ec economic standpoint. So it really um, gets into very uh, targeted ways of digitally advertising so they know your brand. Their, their customer base. That's Correct. what it's all about. Yep. And we're very white glove um, from a from a transparency standpoint, from a fraud uh, free guarantee standpoint. So it's 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 pretty cool. We're helping organizations transcend from just understanding how to put advertisements through traditional television vehicles to that of the connected TV uh, vehicles like these over-the-top subscriptions. And right. you probably already know, without even having to be in this business, this notion of cord cutters. And a yes. lot of what, what we will call the millennial generation um, are becoming much more cord cutters than Generation X or the or the baby boomers, right? right? Um, but the cord cutters don't want to don't want to or don't feel that they have to even because of the bevy of uh, availability in streaming media feel like they have to pay a service for like a Comcast. Right. So they just want Wi-Fi and a cell phone, and that's it. <laughs> right. Right. And a couple subscriptions, like what does Netflix cost nine ninety nine a month, right, right, and right. you know Hulu, what a four ninety nine a month, depending upon what what package you have. So you put a couple of those together, they're getting the content, yeah. the media content that they need mm. to feel like they're fulfilled and they have the entertainment value that they want from a you know from a connected device standpoint. That's cool. I think I I think I got it. We're talking about Netflix. We have Patty McCord, who is the uh, the chief culture officer, CPO of um, Netflix during their huge growth coming up wow. on the podcast. We're talk about a about lot that. of experience, yeah, you know, so there, we'll what she's talking. seen. We'll tease that one right now. Yeah, right. I like it. Can you tell us a little bit about your HR team, the team you've built here? And My awesome. Your awesome team. People My, strategy team. Yes. I know Lisa McAuliffe very well. You can talk about her and... Uh, and the other roles that you have here. Yeah, I think, you know, DataZoo is the smallest place I've ever worked from an overall revenue and headcount standpoint. Um, yet, I organize it much like I've organized my um, departments in other bigger 
uh, organizations that I've worked. And, and the, the pillars that I find um, to be really um, important foundationally that allow you to uh, scale and grow and repeat are recruit, retain, develop. So I've organized my team around those pillars. So we have a, a talent acquisition organization head up, headed up by Michael Clinton, who is one of the best uh, folks I've, I've ever had the privilege of working with. Um, and he, he's the touch point. He's the seller mm-hmm. to everyone that we um, would want to engage. The ambassador uh, He's for the talent. ambassador right, for right. talent for DataZoo. Yeah, and he's a, he's a wonderful guy, very approachable, very likable, very engaging, a very articulate, um, well-spoken guy uh, who knows the industry well. So he's, he, and he's fun, and he takes his job seriously and doesn't take himself too That's seriously. That's the kind of people so you hire, I'm sure. We, we, get, along, <laughs> we get along just great. Um, but recruiting is all, you know, from my standpoint, it's we want to make the best candidate um, experience happen for everyone that we reach out to. So even if you don't get the job, you know, you hopefully will walk away from DataZoo saying, wow, you know, I'm bummed that I didn't get the job, but I'm interested. that was a I really like cool place. process. Right. They didn't keep me hanging. Right. The communication was crisp. It was timely. It was proactive. Right. What a cool company. What a cool product they have. The people right. I met with were engaging and high energy and smart. And then they share that with other people they, they might run that, into. Right. Or they might come back and work here yeah. in the future. Right? Absolutely. Right. You know? So that's great. Don't don't close the door. Um, and then we have a, a retain pillar. So Lisa McGullough, who you know well, who mm-hmm. was one of my very first hires um, when I joined DataZoo. She joined, uh, I think, five weeks later. Hadn't worked together before, but uh, thanks to another common person. You, oh, yeah, you Mimi. And I, Mimi Miller. Yes, Mimi Miller. Who Mill. we have in common. Right. Um, Mimi and I had worked five years together at Akamai. Right. She and Lisa had worked, I think, the same amount of time together at Omgeo. Oh, sure. Um, and Mimi's like, oh, these two would work well together. <laughs> Lisa and you know Lisa and Tiff, so brought her in. She's been promoted twice since be, uh, being here, but she is what we call um, the people strategy business partner, and she runs that function. And what that is is trying to be as efficient, efficient as possible with employees who may have questions. Doesn't really matter what it's about. It could be about comp. It could be about performance. It could be about an employee relation issue. Um, first, first person you would reach out to. So your kind of key point of contact, because uh, there's several For both of managers us. and employees and employees. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's it's the business partner's job really to understand the pulse of the organizations that they support, um, and to provide really um, insightful, proactive advice to managers and employees alike. Mm. Um, you know, help them in decision making processes. Help them out of sticky situations that they may be in, um, give them advice in regards to compensation matters, really everything. It's what I kind of love the most out of those three pillars is the retain. Um, I feel like my my best um, kind of attributes as a, as a people professional are my employee relation and business partnering skills. And it really is all about the business first. Mm. You know, if you don't know how the business operates or what's going well in the business and what's not going well in the business, it really doesn't matter what your people experience is, mm. you know? So Lisa's great at that, understanding, you know, what's going well and, and, and proactively, right? That's the that's the key, not being reactive. I don't like reactive organizations. Mm. Um, proactive to say, hey, I'm seeing this happening within, you know, within the sales East region. Mm. Do we, you know, wh- what's going on there? And do we need to peel that onion back a little bit more and mm-hmm. understand if there's, you know, there's a potential issue? Reach or... out to the leadership in that group. Exactly. And, yeah, right. and start the engagement, et cetera. Right. So that's, 
And, and the retain is also, you know, where our benefits um, and compensation lie. So always having, you know, cutting edge or um, industry competitive offerings. So Lisa's in charge of, you know, from a benefits offering, we, um, you know, introduced a 401k match after we joined, things like that. So what are our employees, you know, liking to see other than, you know, we, we do free lunches, stuff like that. Right, right. Everyone does the that perks. now, though. Right, the, right. The perks. Um, and then having, you know, awesome uh, compensation structure that aligns to market so that we know, you know, what we should be paying people and, you know, having a, um, a philosophy around compensation that, that, that we stick to that works for us to help retain um, and incent the right folks. And then last but certainly not least is our um, develop pillar. So who we have heading up our develop is uh, Kim Remley, who's our senior director of talent management and learning development, who is awesome. I'm a little of a non-traditionalist as far as when I joined um, because, you know, I definitely needed someone to to head up talent acquisition, but my next, you know, kind of big hire was someone to come in and run talent management, learning and development. Sure. Because you get the people in, you want to try and retain them. If you don't develop them, they're going to go right out the back door. Right. So how do we make people who come to be employees at DataZoo feel that their the trajectory of their career is better off as a result of coming to DataZoo versus going somewhere else. And that's really what I wake up and inspires me every day to get, come in here, mm-hmm. develop and progress um, folks. Uh, How do you a, do it? How do you help them develop? A lot of different ways. Yeah, <laughs> you right. Because everyone's wired differently. Everyone's a little bit different. You can never manage, you know, two people the exact same way. Right. So it's all about understanding what motivates them and what drives them. What else are you proud of that you're doing here at DataZoo? Uh, proud of a lot. I think the the thing that I'm most proud of recently is this women's network that I uh, that I kicked off. Jeez, uh, last October. Mm-hmm. Um, so only five months ago. Um, it's like an employee resource group that you've yeah. Started, it's kind you know, of this use that term or yeah. It kind of came about maybe you would think in a, in a corny kind of way. Um, and what I mean by that is I stumbled upon a quote that really, really resonated with me. Hmm. It's from an unknown um, person, but the quote was, when you see something that you admire or like in a woman, tell her and hmm. get in the spirit of lifting each other up. Hmm. So I was like, yes, hmm. there needs to be more of that. Hmm. There needs to be more um, gender equality. We have uh, holistically here at DataZoo a 60-40 male to female um, ratio of employees. Is that terrible? No, it's not terrible. Would I love that to be 50-50? Sure, I would. Mm -hmm. But then as you look at the different ranks within our population, we could have more senior women leaders Mm -hmm. as an example. So I wanted to do something that got out to all of our female employees. And the mantra is the quote that I just told you. And that's the vision of, that's this, the the mission mission. of Just this group. Yeah. Lifting each other up right. and really supporting one another and knowing that, guess what? There's room for all of us at the top. There truly, truly is. Mm-hmm. And pick a topic every single month that either inspires or motivates or trains, educates, something to lift each other up. So I went out in October and put on the first event, was the facilitator of the first event. You we were the watched, content person that I was day. the content person. Right, right. You know, I put out the kind of the raw, raw call to arms to say, hey, would anyone be interested in this? Right. I was a little fearful. Like, <laughs> what are people going to say? 
they were um, the population here in our Boston office, which is our corporate headquarters, was um, and a beautiful new office. Oh, it's so nice yeah. up here on the twenty fifth floor, isn't it? Really it really is nice. Beautiful um, views and yeah, great, great beautiful views. So you know, we kicked off the first woman's event in October with uh, watching a fifteen minute TED talk from Sheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Um, something everyone could you know could uh, relate to. Uh, I love this particular TED talk. It uh, you know she she talks about don't leave before you leave. And women, I think, struggle with, well, if I'm going to get married and if I'm going to have kids, can my career continue to go on this trajectory? And her don't leave before you leave really resonated with a lot of our average age employee here is 32. Uh, So really resonated and inspired. And then I, uh, after the TED Talk, what I thought would be important is, hey, what did you get from that TED Talk? And let's talk about you know, what, how you interpreted that. And, right. you know, what does it what, mean to you? Yeah, right. what does it mean to you? Right, and right. What could we do differently here at Data Zoo that would make you feel even better, you know, um, in, right. in, in that regard to support having kind of a work life balance? If, right. if, if kids are what you want to, um, you know, outside of uh, Data Zoo, either you have them now or want them in the future, or things right. like that. So, and then what I do is ask for any female employee to be a facilitator for the next event. And I just kind of stay behind the scenes. Um, what I do is kind of shepherd the process. Mm-hmm. So I'll set up the, the monthly women's events and then work with the folks who are brave enough to facilitate, to come up with a topic that they're really comfortable getting up in front of the group and speaking about. Right. And, you know, again, in the background or behind the scenes, you know, um, encouraging them and providing them with, with the right content. We open every right. meeting with our mantra. And um, if it's after work, we might also have wine and cheese or we'll offer lunch if it's over the lunchtime hour. Um, but it is uh, it's a real cool kind of inspirational yeah. um, thing that we've done. I can see it just in recently. your face. You, you love this. Group. I love it. You love this. That's yes. great. Yes, it's, it's it's making a big impact yeah, already. It's, it's motivating. And here's what it does, too, that um, that people might not know just hearing about this woman's network um, on the surface, it really br- it brings together obviously all women in the organization, but people you might not communicate with or interact with on a daily basis. Just because you're the parts of the business, you're not connected. So, so it opens like, doors right, everywhere. Right. And I really feel that the root of all evil, whether it be in your personal life or your professional life, is lack of alignment, lack of communication. Communication, right. That's right? always the problem. So right. get people together. Get people to communicate um, in any way that you can. That's great. And uh, so, yeah, that's been fun. We do this podcast, Keystone does, in cooperation with NERA, Northeast Human Resources Association. Great and we association. Have, it is. It's fantastic. And NERA has a young professionals group within it. Mm-hmm. So we have the NERA YP question of the broadcast. So Sarah Dumont, who's right here recording, the producer of the Hennessy Report, is Yay, also on Sarah. the NERA YP committee. Okay. So she is going to ask you this question. The NERA YP question today is, a lot of people are going back to school to get their MBA, study talent, organizational development, um, different forms of HR. But how can someone best leverage that formal education to transition quickly that education effectively into a organization. So I have a I have a bachelor's and a master's in in communications. They didn't offer University of Maine at the time did not offer a specific um, program degree program within human resources. But I had done enough internships with Putnam Investments back 
way back in the day uh, when I was a college student to know that I wanted a career um, in, in the people business. And so what I did is I chose the degree that I thought best aligned with that. And we had, you know, organizational communication uh, type courses, women in communication courses, if I remember correctly on some of the coursework that I took. And it was just, again, I think I would give anyone the same advice, whether you're going for your bachelor's degree, advanced degree, and then transcending into um, corporate America once you graduate, is you, you, you try to be such a sponge um, on the application of what you took away from academics to, you know, to the workforce and asking as many questions as you possibly can. And what I mean by that is if you took a course on, um, say, organizational communication, one of the courses I had, Take away some of your learnings from that. Talk to your boss about, okay, here's what I learned in that course. How would you, how would you, someone, my manager who's been here uh, for a while at this organization, help me leverage what I learned? Thanks, Stephanie. So interesting. Um, so what advice would you give to someone up and coming in HR? I've got some uh, younger folks on my team and it's, I have what's called skip one-on-ones with them. And they're my indirect reports, but uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. I don't want to over <laughs> overtax well, them with me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, asking them, like, you know, what's going well? Again, what's not going so well? And, you know, how can I be helpful? But they always ask me, what advice do you have? How can I be successful here at DataZoo and specifically within people strategy? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's coming, it's showing up every day ready. It's, it's being, and you, that doesn't mean you have to know the answer. Mm-hmm. I love folks that know what they don't know. And what I mean by that is someone asks you a question you know the answer to, just say, hey, that's a great question. Let me get right back to you with, uh, let me talk to some folks and, you know, get get right back to you. So it's it's just, it's showing up with with a drive and a determination that, that shows the people around you that you're you're ready for action. You know, you don't come and slump in your chair or, what, you know, you make your presence known. If you're in a conference room meeting, you know, pull your seat up to the table and listen and nod and then interject with a question or a comment or an exclamation point on something somebody said. That way you will be noticed. If you slouch in your chair, you don't engage because maybe you're intimidated and I get that, you're not going to get noticed that way though. So I know it could be uncomfortable, certainly to start, but you need to push yourself. You need to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And nobody at that table, I don't care if it's the CEO, is perfect or knows everything about everything. So, you know, show up, ask questions, take some chances, be a sponge. All right. Now we're going to talk about you, Tiffany, some lighter questions. Well, the first one is, uh, I told you I was going to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. I ask every guest this question is if you could write a letter of advice to Tiffany when she was 25 or 30 about professional advice, what would you write in that letter? If I could write a letter to uh, my 25-year-old self, I think the advice I would give is, you know, your passion, your energy, your drive, that's all great. You do, however, have two ears and one mouth and use them in more, use them more proportionate. In, in more proportion than I think I did when I was 25. Listen, listen, listen. What's an interesting thing about you we wouldn't find on your LinkedIn profile? For me, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much into um, sports. I played sports in college. Uh, but 
what I have found in later years is my zen. You know, if I've had a bad day, which I, I do from time to time, I love to go to the barn and see my horse and go on a nice ride. So I have a uh, dressage horse that I ride on uh, do shows. You would never know that looking in my LinkedIn profile that I, um, you know, have equestrian. Um, no, we see some pictures here in your office, though, of your, your horse right there. Yeah. Right. Maybe we'll post that when we broadcast the podcast. There you we'll go. Have the picture there you of go. your horse as well. Hey, there's take something. Pic- we'll take a picture yeah. of that, Sarah, before right? you leave. <laughs> Something to be said for, uh, I don't know, um, horse therapy. What's a book that changed your life? Katie Couric is someone I've always admired. Okay, so I don't want to get political or anything like that. But um, I've always admired her energy and her um, her ability to uh, ask really tough questions of those that she's interviewing. I mean, mm. there's there's some parallel there with, you know, with what I try to do and try mm. to get at. When I talk with um, when I talk with candidates, so she wrote a book um, several years ago um, entitled "The Best Advice I Ever Got," and you know she she interviews a lot of uh, famous folks and tells a lot of her own tales of lessons learned. And I think every single person out there, if they haven't read the book, should read the book. If you've read it, dust it off, read it again. It's just really sound advice mm-hmm. on how to live life, mm. whether you're talking about you know professionally or personally. Great. Tiffany, it's been great having you as a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners. Be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our conversations with leaders in HR. Go to keystonepartners.com and click on the podcast button.